Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Rocks Life podcast. I'm Greg, and today I'm chatting with Tara Jackson. Tara is one of the fastest women ever in high rocks. She recently featured in the elite races at the European and North American Championships and is the seventh fastest woman so far this season in the pro division. She's also the DECA Fit and DECA Strong world champion. And in this chat, we get into details of her training, her running and strength numbers, her plans for the rest of the season. We talk about body image, fueling for high rocks and lots more. Just a quick reminder before we get into the episode, if you'd like any help with your training or your nutrition for high rocks, then head over to rockslife.com slash coaching or rockslife.com slash nutrition where you can get truly personalized support to help you do as well as possible in the sport. We're also adding new articles and high rocks news all the time over on rockslife.com. Finally, if you're enjoying our podcast, subscribing to us and leaving reviews is very much appreciated. Okay, let's get into the show. Really hope you enjoy it. All right, we're live. Tara Jackson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. How are you? I'm doing good. I said I just uh, woke up from my midday nap, so I'm feeling feeling really good. Lovely. So uh, the 10-kilometer PB at the weekend, was it? Yeah, so I hadn't ran a 10K in probably several years, but I used to run the 5K, 10K in college. So it's a post-college or it's like a, a lifetime PR. So it's faster than I ran in college. So nice. it's really fun. How quick was that? Uh, thir- 3827. Nice. Nice. Congrats. So I you're, you're... So... sorry, say that again. I, I said I beat all the men. So it's always a good day when you can beat all the boys. Well done. Good. Good. All right. So what, what is your sporting history? So you're a runner uh, when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've been running since I was in seventh grade, so like 12, 11, 12. I'm coming up on two decades of running, so um, that that's my background. So I competed in USA and AAU track uh, when I was really young and then uh, competed in college as I got older and then found Spartan Racing and now hybrid, so it's kind of like have hopped on what's been I don't know tr- I don't know if it's trendy but it's like um I've always been looking for a sport where you can incorporate like strength and speed and now hybrid first that was kind of Spartan but obviously not as much strength stuff as the new hybrid um sports that are coming out now so you think something like um high rocks and decker I guess are, are more suited to you would you say uh, yes, I've actually been really surprised though this year. Well, as I've gotten more into high rocks, I never thought that I would be like the weaker athlete. Like strength has been always like my, my thing. And then, you know, I was a good runner, but the people who win Spartan races are elite level runners. So they're, they're very good trail runners. So I was like, Oh, well, I'm really strong, but then they'll like kick my butt and all the running stuff. So I was like, Oh yeah, well, high rocks is here you know, all the strength stuff, I'm going to like be really, really great. And then I'm getting my butt kicked in the stations. <laughs> so, so it's, it's interesting to see like the different range of athletes from like CrossFit to, you know, still some running background, actually less, like it is perplexing that the race is more than half running. And like a lot of the people don't really even run that much. So, um, you know, there are people with all different kinds of skill sets that are able to do well in the sport. 
Um, so there doesn't seem to be like one specific way to train yet. I'm sure as the sport progresses, like we'll kind of figure out like, oh, this is like the direction to go. Just like any sport, you know, when it's new, people are going to do a bunch of different things and kind of see what sticks. But then the stuff that really sticks, everybody's going to start doing it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the, it's part of what I enjoy at the moment, like the excitement about it, like working out what's best, the best way to train. And the, the, eventually, if there is a set way to train, it might just get a little boring, you know, it's, there's the, the, the guessing about the best way to do it is, is part of the excitement for me. See, I like, I like, that's why I like hybrid, it's always the same, always the same. Um, so with running, like there's a very like specific way you would train. I mean, obviously you have little variances, but nobody runs a 10k or half marathon and doesn't do threshold work mm -hmm. so that's like bread and butter of like your training that's really what makes you a good like mm, it'd be considered long distance but that's that's the bread and butter of your your training so it's so weird for me coming into a sport that in my mind i want to see it as like a threshold activity so it's like you got to do so much threshold work thresh but then a lot of the athletes don't do any threshold work at all and i'm just like how are you so good at threshold stuff and you don't do anything? <laughs> so it's it's definitely like a learning experience. So it's like putting together the pieces of the puzzle and what works for some people, you know, might not work for everyone else. Um, obviously, you have people that train for, you know, 10 hours a week. And then you have like the crazy people that are training like 25 hours a week, like Dylan. <laughs> so or even Meg Jacoby, like, you know, there are I don't know that like necessarily you know everybody can't train like that it's just physiologically i would die personally i need a nap to get hit my 12 hours a week so <laughs> everybody's gonna like respond to training differently so i guess there is that variance in across all sports but i feel like it's even more of a balance with hybrid because you have to be so strong and so aerobically conditioned is that what you're doing around 12 hours a week at the moment yeah i push up against 12 and my body is like mm, we don't like this so much so i'm doing i'm in a strength more of a strength block now so a lot of my cardio and intensity is cut out so i'm able to do a little bit more but i'd say when i'm in season like nine to ten hours is probably more where i can sit just because of the increase of intensity from the training just makes me Real, like I every time I push up against like the overtraining wall I guess you would call it I start like I can't sleep and you know your body's just just tired all the time so you know that you're starting to get some diminishing returns because you can only perform as well as your body's able to recover so if you're not able to recover then the training is useless essentially mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's good for a lot of people that like me might be watching this to see as well though that you're not doing 20 hours a week i know someone wrote to me the other day and he was like how am i supposed to compete i've got kids and got work to do and everything like that and like in the expectation that he had to do like 20 hours a week to, to be able to compete that like your proof that you don't necessarily have to do that um, yeah and i know majority of athletes are doing 20 hours a week i think I have like some outliers like i said that are able to handle that kind of volume and intensity and recover. But majority of athletes are not going to be able to sustain that level of volume and intensity, especially year round. Like with hybrid sports, there's no real, 
I feel like High Rocks kind of try to do like seasons and like no races in the summer, but now, you know, it's a business. So they're not like slowly putting races in June, July, you know, so it'll be, it'll be, you have the opportunity to race year round. So you really need to be able to kind of pull back for your mm-hmm. off season. Um, you know, if your body needs that time to mentally and physically recover and you're not giving it to it. So, I mean, I've been overtrained more times than I would like to mention. So I know what my body kind of like can handle. And I, when I was finishing up with that big training block after Chicago from basically November to, I guess, starting in probably September and extending it all the way out to Chicago, I was tired mentally, physically, like, um, so it was time to like go back into the off season, regroup, find like, um, a good, like recovery training balance so that my body can get really mentally ready to do another high rock. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it's not fun. Like Deca is like, Oh, like you go and you like, Deca's like running a 5k. Yeah. Like it hurts, but it hurts in the moment. And for like, maybe like eight minutes, high rocks hurts me for like 50 minutes of the 60 minutes that I'm competing. And I, almost dread like after i finish it i'm like i don't want to do this again for like after man uh maastricht i was like oh my god i gotta do this again in three weeks and it sounds like i i didn't want to do it (laughs) so mentally a lot harder at least for me because it it i'm probably sore for like three or four days and i don't want to like do too much when i'm like overly sore so there's the recovery process is just so much longer and Maybe I'm just getting old, but it just a lot. So for me, I I would think comparing like if I was still running, high rocks is almost the equivalent of like running a marathon. And I wouldn't run more than two marathons a year if I was marathon training. So the thought of more like four high rocks a year is is a lot. Or it seems like a lot to me. So I don't know. We'll see after Manchester. I'll probably but you have to qualify in a race, which is like annoying. So you just have to, you have to at least run four races. So if you want to run the championship races, you have to qualify and then you would have to run two more races. And then obviously you would run worlds. So I don't know that that kind of structure is like elite athlete in mind, but you know, everybody else is recovering just fine and they seem okay. So maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a complainer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm a lot older than you, but I I agree. Like I I do look at the race results every week and everything. And I, the same athletes like seem to be racing again and again week after week, and I'm just like, how are you doing that? Like their their recovery must be on a different level to mine. To be fair, um, yeah. And I mean, I think you race like in Europe, it's easier because you don't have to travel as much. Like I've been racing like the last couple weekends, but as training, like training races. So I'm not like flying and like investing all this time, getting myself away from training. And I don't expect like a certain result. Like I'm just like, I know that I'm in the middle of the training. This will be a hard effort and like it is what it is. So um, I think like if you, you can use racing as an effective tool for your, your training, but you know, when you're spending all that time, like also traveling, then it's just a lot on your body. But I mean, if you can get to like six high, high rocks races a year via train, 
I mean, maybe you run a few as an elite racer, I would probably run a few open races, work on transitions and speed and then like races that matter run the elite. But you just don't have that kind of opportunity here in the US because there's just so few races. Yeah. On this subject, do you feel like with the way that there's qualifying spots for the elite races at the world championships at the regionals so people have claimed their spots you know in chicago and maastricht that's that that feels to me like i mean they've earned it but it's a huge advantage right to know that they're racing in manchester they've got their spot and there's everyone else out there like hustling for a spot now got to go and do some races how do you feel about that especially well for for me in the women's field like those the top three women. I mean, maybe I referred to you them. They're the Fab Five for me. So or the Fab Three, not five. Um, but like they're so kind of far ahead of everybody else that there's like no question that they would have qualified based on their times. So the gap is so big that you know even if there wasn't direct qualification, they know that they're going. So for the men, it's a little tricky because there's so much like back and forth. I mean, I feel like. Well, I always think this, that when we go into these championship races, like I was excited to watch the men's race, but then we're like too close. So we don't get to watch. Um, but I was like, there could be like 10 men in the wall balls in this race. And it could be like, you know, a drag out, but it never, it never is. There's always like a pretty decent size gap. And I'm like waiting for this race where you just have like, you know, eight to 10 guys. Cause I mean, if you look between Maastricht and Chicago, there's a lot of lead changes people flipped around then two weeks later you have can't run a 56 like you know so there could be a lot of like variance between how the men um place but the women you know the top three is pretty they're pretty like solidified i mean you have you know a couple other people like alondra who are like kind of right there and she's very consistent but then everybody else i feel like not that they're they're not as consistent as her and like they just are not quite up to like the the top three level right now so i mean if i would bet on anybody to bust up to the top three it'd probably be alondra but um you know we're all the rest of us are kind of like close and fighting for the remaining podium spots in my mind but you never know anybody can have a bad race um especially the way that lauren races like she could pull somebody out she could pull one of them out and they just can't hang that day like you go out in a race like that you can't have a bad race so if you're having a bad day and lauren pulls you out at 520 pace you're going to be having a really bad day if you're feeling good so it it's pretty amazing like i was i actually have a running coach and i was talking to him about how hybrid is so weird because before deca world championships i was like you would never go out a 10K like a minute faster per mile than you anticipate averaging your pace. And hybrid, they do that every single time. It's like very contradictory to how you would run a, a running race. And I don't know if it's I can't get that out of my mind, but I'm always like a slow start, fast finish person, which the way that Hyrox is set up doesn't really work for me because you have like four girls who can go unbroken on wall balls and I just am not there. So deck is set up was kind of better because the last stations were more my strength. So it almost naturally played to the way that I race, but I don't know. So my big thing probably going into Manchester is figuring out a race strategy that can work 
for me then won't make me blow up and then also I have enough time when I hit the last two stations to not because somebody like Miriam in my mind she's more in my like racing corral kind of thing mm -hmm. but if I come into the lunges without at least a minute and a half I know she's gonna catch me because I only have one run left and she has like you know she lunges in under 230 and she does her wall balls in under three minutes and I just I can't have less time than that to to be able to still stay ahead. So I know that strategically there are places that I need to be in certain parts of the race. And I try not to get like too hung up on that, but some of them are just real realistic. Like Miriam is arguably probably the best closer as result is like compared to the rest of her race. Um, but she just doesn't quite have the foot speed of, of the top three. So she stations better than anybody, but the running component of her race is not quite at the level. I mean, you have Meg, who's a, you know, sub 17 collegiate runner. And I don't know, um, Michaela's background for running, but she real fast. <laughs> and then ran a 10. I was like, Lauren just had to run a 10 K the weekend before I ran a 10 K. Cause I was all pumped up and I was like, yeah, on my running and stuff. And then she ran like 36, 55. <laughs> Well, damn, Lauren, like you just had to steal my thunder, but <laughs> it's it, so one of my, my friends was like, oh, well, that's not that far off. I was like, that's 15 seconds a mile. That's that's pretty far off. So her running is clearly coming back really strong. And, you know, it's it's really cool to see her progress from even just as early as like November back in DECA, like she was kind of coming off of, you know, having a baby and she had a good race in LA and then obviously she crushed it in Maastricht and she's, you know, she's just getting better. So yeah. And is, she's the one to watch. I don't see a, a lot of hiccups coming for her in Manchester. Okay. So she, she's, she's your pick. Is she, she's your pick for Manchester. She's my pick. Okay. But uh, the, and since it's in Europe, I think the lighter, lighter sleds <laughs> will um you know benefit her not that she's not one of the stronger athletes but i think she i think well her and michaela like if i had to do a heavy sled like who benefits most from a heavy sled it'd probably be meg um and then who benefits from a lighter sled would be lauren and michaela so i think the race is gonna be slightly more beneficial for them just because their strength is probably not where Meg is. So she hits the sled. Her and Alondra would hit the sled harder. Because um, if you look, I mean, I was super surprised that Michaela won Chicago. Like, I think I left the sled maybe before her. She had a really hard, tough sled push. But, man, she just rocked the rest of the race. So it's like she made up a lot of time. Um, obviously, sled push is only second station. But... You know, sometimes that can put you out. That sled pushes, you know, it sets the tone for the rest of your race. So if you have a bad sled push, it could easily put you into like a mental, not great place. But clearly didn't bother her. She, she just, like, oh, man, that was a tough sled push. And then just like, yeah, she's <laughs> all right. So you're um, you're currently fourth 
of the 12 remaining spots to qualify for the the elite race you 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 feeling confident that, that that what you've done is good enough yeah looking at the spread between like between the top 12 I'm pretty confident now um I knew after Chicago I was a little worried I was like thinking about doing um the Swedish race next weekend mm-hmm. but I really can't afford to like miss out on the training like i said you know they're already kind of ahead so i need like every training day that i can get so i will go to miami to race doubles and do some training stuff but just because it's like super close for me so i'll get some like time on the sleds and you know 10 miles of beach running apparently because uh, i'm going to do women's and mixed doubles so it'll be wow. a big train um and you know, hang out on the beach and die while I after I kill my legs for all of Saturday. We've we've uh, gone from talking about how you struggle to recover from a high rocks to doing two on the sand in Miami. Well, it's doubles, so it's mostly gonna be <laughs> I'm I'm partnering with Dylan. So if uh if Are history you? serves it well, I will do like ten percent of the stations. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna my weight more this time but we did doubles in new york and i think i did like one sled push and i don't know like 50 wall balls and that was my contribution to our doubles performance (laughs) (laughs) too from that race like people were like oh you shouldn't be able to do that you should have to split 50 50 i was like one nobody splits 50 50 in a mixed doubles and two like what are you gonna do clock me like how much i mean that was our strategy i mean dylan runs like sub six minute pace and, you know, at that point in my training, like six minute pace was closer to 5K pace. So if you're doing eight 1K repeats at 5K pace. That's that's not an easy workout. So, you know, for me, it was it was still an effort. Um, but we'll do that. And then I'm doing uh, women's doubles with Rebecca Nather. Mm-hmm. So she's coming over. We're going to do that for fun. Um and again, she's only doing one race. So, I mean, maybe I'll just do, you know, 15% there, 15% here, and just do it, get my longer run in. We'll see. But my goal is to push some sleds and, you know, have a good time and good training weekend. Okay, nice. If we uh, if we go back to those those races in Maastricht and, and Chicago, how, how do you feel they went for you? Um, Not great, <laughs> but... So I, in Maastricht, I was hoping I was like having a, I'm a real mental, mental racer. So like sometimes my, my head is like not completely like in the race, like it should be. So I had like a great lead up and I was like, oh yeah, I got this. I felt great. Had great training block. And I swear I walked into the venue and my legs felt like they were a thousand pounds. I was like, what is going on? So I didn't, when I started uh, warming up I was like oh this is not going to be good so I was already kind of getting in my head a little bit with the way that my legs were feeling and I was disappointed after the race that I wasn't able to kind of like reel it back in so I think I mentally kind of checked out so Chicago I mean I I mentally had a better race but it wasn't like a race that like came together for me so it was good it just wasn't like a great performance so I'm kind of still waiting for I don't think I've had that in high rocks yet where everything just comes together and you have like this magic race where you feel good and like 
the stations feel fluid. Like, I feel like I have that all the time in DECA. And I think that's why I like it more is because it just seems like things can come together easier. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that will be Manchester, <laughs> hopefully, um, where I can just get everything to, like, fall into place. But we'll see. I mean, maybe the race is just hard, and that's just – it's just always going to be kind of like a grinder of a race. Um, but I'm I'm still hoping that I can have one of those magic days where it just kind of falls into place. Like, I did Madrid in November, and I wouldn't say it was magical, but it also wasn't, like, as suffery for the first like six stations and then the last two stations were still pretty bad, but you almost always expect that. So that almost feels like normal that you would be dying at that point in the race, but I'm still waiting for the magic race. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but Becca, Becca has gone well for you. So you, uh... yeah, I do like I'd raced uh, Knoxville like two weeks ago and I felt bad like I had a big training week and you know my legs were just meh but and I I didn't have anybody to race because I think the next girl finished like seven minutes after me or something like that so I was myself and I was like oh what do you know I ran like my third fastest time in a training block with no competition so it didn't feel great but at the same time I was like oh I had a great race this was good um you know I was right where I thought that I would kind of be with my fitness and so and then I was done I didn't have to suffer really hard so it was it was nice right and you're the I should say you're the Deca fit world champ Deca strong world champ and yeah second in the Deca mile third um, oh third sorry uh, uh but I held I hold the record in the mile I'm in the, in the strong and the fit too so until meg comes and screws it all up for me <laughs> comes and screws it all up for me so i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy it while it lasts so um but hopefully once i start focusing completely i think that's my biggest strength is when i'm like focused on something i'm usually like all in it which has been hard for high rocks because i feel like i can't get in it like i don't even want to i'm not like when i went for for get ready for deca world championships i didn't race i didn't like do anything i was very like structured and did everything i was supposed to but now that i'm like getting ready for manchester i'm like well there's deca and then you know so i can't i don't know that i'm like completely sold on racing high rocks yet um because it's just i don't know I don't know. Maybe if I have the magic race, I'll change my mind. But usually it's like a bunch of suffering. So is that um going back to like Decker? When, when was that? Was that November? Uh yeah, beginning of November. Okay. Do you feel like and and you like solely trained for, for that? Do you feel like doing so help, has held you back in any way going as you've gone into high rocks? Like if if how much like the training just purely focused on Decker has held you back in high rocks for for the rest of the season or not at all? Um, I mean, I guess like there was a lot of talk about that with people who raced in LA, like to focus mm -hmm. on Decca. Um, well, there's no real strength component in Decca, so like if you're spending all this off season high rocks time focused on an event that doesn't you don't really do any strength, then 
yeah, it's going to hurt you because even though they might seem like similar because they're running and station running and station, like they're, they're very different. Like you don't need a huge like strength base for DECA. Um, so if you, I think that was, yeah, not great for me personally, cause I don't have the strength base of a lot of the other athletes, um, in high rocks. So I don't remember who I was talking to. You did the thing that was like with testing people's like ask people their thing. Uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Times and whatever. And so maybe with you, I talked about like Miriam, I guess, back squat. I don't know. One ninety five kilos, like sixty nine times or something like that. Or somebody told uh, me that. Maybe I it think was it's nice. off the top of my head. I think it's sixty nine reps with eighty five kilograms. She's done. Yeah. yeah. So eighty kilograms is like my five rep max. And that's hard. <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm so far behind, like with the strength that I really can't afford to be taking like long periods of time without focusing on strength. It'd be like if, you know, Miriam never did any running. Like, so she's already good at the stations. So it's like, you need to start like working on the things that, and I pick her a lot cause she's like the polar opposite of me. Like she crushes the stations and but you see that she's working a lot more on her runs, at least from like social media and stuff. So she's doing the the stuff that she's has deficit in. So by training for DECA, I'm not working on the things I have deficits in for high rocks. Um, so yeah, for me, not a great, not a great off season choice. Um, if I was trying to get solely ready for that, but um, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not as excited about high rocks as I am about DECA and it may just be because I think that it suits me better like I race better not just because I've won but just because the the difference almost seems insurmountable for me to like gain the amount of strength that I need to be at the level of the top athletes right now like you don't go from squatting like I worked hard to get my five rep max to Miriam's like 70 rep max so you don't gain that kind of strength in one cycle or two cycles or three. Like it's like a long-term kind of like goal to get to the level of strength and they're still moving forward. So it's like for every two steps I'm taking, there's 30 steps ahead and they're still also taking steps. So they're getting stronger. I'm getting stronger, but I'm just really far behind. Um, so maybe it's that a little bit where I'm like, it just seems like I'm so far behind on those kind of things that, it's like almost a little bit discouraging. So I typically revert to things that feel more comfortable and DECA feels like more like, oh, okay, this is something I'm good at. I like training for it. Like I'm already kind of at the level where I'm really competitive. Um, but I think you find that with a lot of athletes in any kind of sport, except this one, people are like, oh, I got to do everything. Um, like you don't have somebody who races the mile and also races the marathon because they're pretty good at both of them. No, they usually pick one and they focus and they get really good at one of them. So I think that like part of my, like if I finally decide to specialize in just one, like it would be a tremendous advantage for me because, you know, a focused athlete in my mind is always going to be better than someone who's trying to be good at all things. Um, so and then you have Chris that wins world championships, which completely discredits all my, all of what I'm saying. <laughs> now, when you have like a lot of athletes that are focused in on one sport 
you're not going to have that anymore. Like you, you won't have somebody who's going to be good at everything and just happens to be good at this too. So these specialized athletes are like the superhuman athletes who are also training specifically for it. So it'd be like, I don't know, somebody just who's a recreational runner goes out. Well, not recreational, but like someone who's a good athlete, they just go out and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to run the steeplechase with these Olympic people. Like they're a good athlete, but you know, they're not specialized in that sport. So it's, it's going to get to a point where, you know, specializing in my mind is, is going to be creating the best athletes in each sport. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. If we, um, if we talk about your training a bit, uh, so you're working with new coaches relatively recently, is that right? Um, so I've always had my running coach. So I've worked with him for like four or five years. He's like, we have like four girls who have went to the Olympic, five girls that have went to the Olympic trials. Like he's, he's a, a great running coach. I'm trying to get him to hybrid, but he, he doesn't believe me that he should, he would be amazing. He's like a, you know, he's like a 15 low guy, but he's also like six, two and 180 pounds or I don't know, 85 kilos. 80 kilos, something like that. Just like the Sebastian Conrad guy. Yeah. Like yeah. if I can learn to station, he's going to be a, he's going to be a problem. If, if he, um, if he focuses on it, like going back to the whole focus thing, um, I came away from our call with him, not convinced that he was going to focus on it. So we'll see. We'll see. He might well, pop up in Stockholm. I wouldn't be surprised in, in, in a week yeah. or so. So yeah. If I'm going to focus on it. Then I, you know, he, he's he's against a bunch of people that are but genetically like that guy could be a monster like yeah. i think it beat hunter like i think genetically he has the speed like his his marathon pace is faster than any of these guys are running within the race so mm-hmm. he has the he just doesn't he isn't able to put it together because he's never done it before but from a body standpoint i feel like if he did focus on it, he would be just unmatched. But you never know. Does it? So, but I mean, sixty-two is pretty solid for first race and basically having like a six or seven-minute wall ball. Yeah, so. yeah, and he 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 coped with the sleds very well as well. You know, if if you felt if anything might catch him out, it might be the sleds, and he like breezed through those. So it was just the more whatever technical stuff like the burpees and the wall balls that he he fell down a bit. So yeah. where was the French no um Hamburg yeah. I don't know. no it was light sleds probably that's why hit them that hard you get a <laughs> somewhere where they're pushing like 150 sleds you know I don't know it was so, uh Stuttgart I think it was Stuttgart oh okay Germany's always mixed you never know what yeah. kind of sled there um so anyways you were asking training anyway so you're working with new coaches you've got your running coach but you're also taking on strength coach is it yeah so i have a guy that's like was my physical therapist for i was having like some issues with my it band um that are all fixed now um so they have like a facility that's basically like a sport performance place i don't know if you've seen it like they just opened a new wing i guess of it so it looks like a d1 like college type of like facility they got um they do a velocity based training so they have like cameras that like watch you like squat or deadlift or whatever and so depending on what the goal of the session is whether it's speed 
accelerative power, tempo, like this thing, like tells you like you're going too fast, you're going too slow. So like if you're like, oh, you're going too fast, then you need to add weight so that you stay within the parameters of like what you're trying to train for. Super nice. neat. It's like if you're like I nerd out on this kind of stuff. So um it's a really neat training tool and I'm interested to see like how um how it's gonna help my strength because a lot of the tempo work and speed training, you know, a lot of a lot of the um like elite level power lifters and you know, strength athletes, they do use these kind of methods of training. So I think it can almost be more transferable because my whole idea before was like, oh, I just need more raw strength. But I mean, really the stations aren't that heavy. Mm -hmm. So obviously like having raw strength is good, but being able to move quickly with weight is also important. So we'll see how it transfers um, to like practical application for the sport but i i'm excited um to see how it works do you feel like you've done anything wrong in the past training wise like if you look back at how you have been training for high rocks and i'm not suggesting there is because obviously you perform well but do, do, do you look at it and think there's there's mistakes you've made well, like i said if i was like specifically training for high rocks like i wouldn't have raced Deca, so so in my mind, like the the only mistakes that I'm and still currently making is trying to do two things that are incredibly different at the same time. Um, for me, because I just I can't. It's not that kind of athlete I am. I'm not very versatile. I'm really good when I focus in on something and like, but I you know, I can't be elite level at everything. Like some people, they just, they have like a level of talent that's able to like keep them, especially in a niche sport, like hybrid, like talent only gets you so far. But when you're in a sport where the talent is not like super saturated, like it's easier to stay on top. Like you don't have to specialize because there's just not enough talent to, to like push you, push you out of the way. Whereas if you were an elite level runner, like those runners aren't doing like weird stuff on the weekends and trying to dabble in rock climbing, you know, they're very focused on their sport. So, but running is so saturated. You have, I don't know, the Olympic trials for the women last year was sub 245 marathon and you had almost 500 women who all ran that fast. So 245 I guess would I would say is like sub elite but you know you have also like competing in that top pack that are running sub 220 probably at least 20 to 30 women so if if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing there's hundreds of women like back behind you that are ready to take your spot here you know you have super talented athletes like Michaela and Meg who you know, I'm not saying at all that they don't work hard. They probably train more than anybody else in the sport. But their their level of, like, athleticism is, is higher. Like, you, I don't think anybody else in the rest of the women's field could break 17 for a 5K. Like, I don't think the running level is there for the rest of the athletes. Maybe Lauren. Um, but you know, you have a, if you have a good, like natural ability, you know, I could, 
like with the way this field is saturated right now, I I'm able to train like however I want and still stay in the top probably 15. But you know, if I want to be at the top, I need to like, you know, start focusing on being there. And even, even then I might not be able to run like a, a 102 under, cause that's what it's going to take to be in the top three is a sub 102 on a of course. So I don't know if, if it's within my abilities, but it definitely isn't within my abilities if I'm not focused on it. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, but if you watch Michaela, like again, not saying she doesn't train hard, but she does a lot of different stuff like that is not specific to high rocks at all. So, you know, she's spending all this time like doing fitness, but like, it's not like specifically towards exactly high rocks. Like she does a lot of CrossFit and there's crossover for sure. But I think, you know, if you're getting ready for a race, you would think it'd be more like specific to the sport that you're going to do. But what do I know? She's kicking my butt. So clearly she's whatever she's doing is working for her. I heard, I did hear the other, I can't remember who said it, to be honest, because I've not spoken to her, but she she told someone that she is going to be more focused on high rocks now. Um, okay. Training wise. I don't think I'm imagining that. So yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see because yeah, at the moment her training looks like it is all over the place and some CrossFit focus and everything like that. But um, yeah. Well, you find um, something that you can be, and I think that's a big reason why, like, Hunter's coming back. It's hard to give up being the best at something. Like, when you find something that you can be the best at, like, Michaela clearly sees that, you know, she has the potential to to win a world championship. Like, and then if you do, it's, like, it's hard to, like, let that go. Like, Hunter finds that he does all these other sports, but he always comes back <laughs> to, like, this type of fitness. Because he is, like, made for the sport. Like, his body, the way, like, he, he's able to have speed. Like, he's just made for hybrid athletics. And I think, though he wants to do all these other things, he's not going to win them. Because he's just not, like, it's not that easy to go outside of a niche sport and win other niche sports. Because they're completely different. Or even not, I wouldn't even consider rowing niche. Like, rowing is a sport that people dedicate, you know, their lives to. I mean, they have it in collegiate programs, like all the way up through adult. And these people are like serious athletes. They're not just like some schmo that's like in a boat. So to qualify for the Olympics, like a sport that's in the Olympics, like there's a lot of competition. So like we talked about the saturation of the sport, you know, it's not that Hunter isn't an athlete, but this sport is so saturated that if you're not like, on your game and focus on rowing or cycling or Ironman. Um, Cause I know he did an Ironman and his time was not bad. I think he did like under 11 hours, mm -hmm. but you know, the top guys, the pro guys, or even people in his age group are doing probably nine, nine mid. And then the pros are doing like eight sub eight. Um, so the difference in level of competition, you know, as you get into a sport that's more, that's bigger, you know, it's just, it's hard to compete unless you're like focused in on that sport. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've talked a bit about like, obviously your 10K time, your, run, your, your, your training volume. People like, like to know these numbers when I talk to, to an elite. So if, if, what about your strength? Where are you at 
in squats and deadlifts, for example? Um, so like for one, <laughs> one or, or three or whatever you know, really. Um, I would say my one. I don't really one rep max, but I'd say my one rep max is probably somewhere around two hundred five, ninety kilograms ish, and then yeah. I did, I did two uh deadlifts for two the other week at like three fifteen. So. Okay. But yeah, I mean, not like overly impressive, and that's the hex bar deadlifts, not straight bars. So, not overly like impressive like numbers. But again, like I said, the sport is not like you know the stuff is not too heavy. So it's like a balance between like you know strength, but it, it's still muscular endurance. I mean, you're lunging probably at least eighty to ninety times over a hundred meters. Um, but the stronger you are, the lighter potentially it's going to feel potentially yeah. <laughs> what do you feel is, what do you feel is the most um uh important indicator so i asked you your squat numbers your, your deadlift numbers which out of those is 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 most important or not important or like irrelevant towards towards hyrox See, I don't know because I mean, you can have someone that's really strong, but they don't have aerobic capacity. So, I mean, you'll see that in a lot in like some of the CrossFit athletes who have tried high rocks and like they're not good. Like it takes them mm -hmm. an hour and a half to like finish a high rocks because their aerobic capacity, it's still a very long event for them. Most events in CrossFit are what less than 15 minutes. So, you know, this is a long event. You have, a, there was like a post, Ian, somebody, did you see the CrossFit Games athlete that's trying high rocks now? I can't remember his last name, but Ian something, he's an American athlete, but I don't know what he ran for high rocks, but they're making a big deal about him. So maybe he's like, I mean, if they're making a big deal about him, he has to be sub 65. Okay. Otherwise, cares. Uh, but... <laughs> I mean, and, and even now, like, unless you're running like a sub 63 for a man, like I, I wouldn't even know who you are. Maybe even like, and I, I followed the sport. I'm a, I'm mm -hmm. also just a big fan. Like for Manchester, I'll stay Saturday just to watch. Like it's really, I wish they split the men's and women's races up. I think they're going to do an hour split for the elite in Manchester, but still uh, you get to maybe watch like three or four. Well, maybe you get to watch more than five men finish, but like you're warming up. So I want to be able to like also spectate and then, cause it's fun to watch. Like I know there's like been talk about like, Oh, but they're on the rower so long. They need to like have some kind of like system where you can see where everybody is or like judges counting. I was like, I think it's exciting. They get on that rower and you don't know anything. So you're just like sitting there waiting. You're like, Who's going to get off the rower. And then like, so I don't know. I think it's fun to watch, but I talked to the obstacle race media guy, Matt, like I think DECA is way more fun to watch because so fast. So yeah. like they rower a minute and a half, they're off the rower and then they're running. And then they, like, so from a spectator, like if you're not a fan of the sport, I think it's easier. It's an easier watch. Plus it's half the time. But I mean, I think high rocks is pretty exciting to watch. Maybe it's cause I'm from a running background. So I'm used to just watching people like run around. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um 
I feel like High Rocks is super exciting. Um, I think I think it's big. I thought the the you know Nashville and Chicago were a good watch actually. I think I, I yeah. think they could do better with the wall balls, like just knowing where people are at on the wall balls, so we can see how close it's, people. Uh, counters. You rem- do you remember yeah. they counters? I don't know why yeah. they got rid of. Them. I guess sometimes they didn't work. Um, but I, I guess they was- didn't work, but also like what they do actually do with the high rocks, like technically, like what they achieve is, is pretty amazing. So I'm pretty sure they can get them wall ball things to work, you know? Well, cause it was also too, it wasn't like it hit the target and it counted a rep. Like I think they had a button that they yeah. push to count the reps. So it shouldn't be that hard to uh, whatever. If they could just get the standardizations good, then that would be also, I think high rocks, they're getting better, but I mean, you'll still see some like, Meh stuff going on. Uh, because I watch a lot of the live feeds and I'm like, well, but if a judge says it's fine, then you know, the athlete isn't really led to believe otherwise, so they're just going to keep you know doing it. Um, you mean movement, movement standard wise, yeah, yes. So, like with the wall ball, the counter, um. I'd say, you know, it's it's getting better. You don't see any, like, heinous stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if athletes are doing wall balls and the judge says it's good, they're not just going to go lower just for shits and giggles. Like, you know, so they'll find a depth. And I've heard on, uh, like, live feeds where it's like, oh, they found a depth that the judge will accept. <laughs> and what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> so, I mean, I think wall balls are just a nightmare to judge. Because, you know, parallel, slightly below, you know, it's fuzzy. So I think that, you know, the standard is is hard. Um, really, that's the only one I have issues with. I think the other ones are pretty cut and dry. There's just bad judging. Like, I could see where a judge, you could say, I think that's good and I think that's not good with the wall balls. But the other stuff, I think, are just judging errors. Burpees, burpees is a little gray, right? You know, forearm length for a foot length actually is. I think it should be like directly in front of your feet. Yeah, a forearm length is kind of arbitrary. Like I, I don't like the the rule personally. Mm. Um, but yeah, okay, that one too. We can fix that one as well. <laughs> how do you know? Like they do a bad one. Or whatever, and you take them back. How do you know where five meters is, or is it ten meters? Uh, I'm not sure what it is for burpees. I thought it was five. I think it's so. five. I think it's five. We 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 got sent back in in Manchester actually. So about, it was five meters. Yeah, it wasn't me. It was my doubles partner. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't like the burpee broad jumps in general. Um, because yeah, again. I, I I take that back. The burpees are a nightmare for judging too because they're like moving and I don't know, forearms hard to judge. And I think maybe it was, I don't know, somebody asked about like staggered feet when you come forward, which isn't like not in the rules, but then they got like penalized for the stagger feet. I don't know. So they just need to pick some rules. And that's why I like the PFT because they have the line, but then you would have to count. Yeah. Which would mm. also be a nightmare. Um, so I don't know what the answer is to that, but 
I think they're making like positive strides towards like better standardization. I still think they should let you use the bucket. For for the Wolves. Yeah. If everybody squat to the bucket, then there'd be no question. Oh, so it made you use the bucket. Yeah. Mm. I I like the bucket personally. Nobody else agrees. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, yeah, you're not sold either. I'm team that. bucket, but they won't like it anymore. So it's kind of kind of gone. But I mean, then you won't see anybody half squatting, which is more annoying to see than no bucket. True. Push press balls. <laughs> True. Just make the bucket lower. Like it's almost a penalty to have to use the bucket. Like they make it like 12 inches off the ground. So they're like, you either get to this bucket or then you, 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 or you got to do your ball balls right. So I don't know, maybe some kind of penalty, but I know, uh, I don't know. They, they can figure, they could get rid of the wall balls for all I care. I don't like the wall balls anyway. <laughs> get rid of wall they're, balls, get rid of burpees. It's a and um, if we could just like sub in like the assault bike and some other type of cardio machine, that would be, we, we, I've actually talked to, we have like a group chat with the Americans about how we could fix the race. And my, my solution is we only have machines. So we could just do, we just do all the stations are machines and then you don't have to count or anything. So yeah. I don't think people like that idea. No, no, I don't. Anyway, watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you do? You mentioned like you chat with the Americans. Um, like it's grown, Hurrux has grown a lot better than the UK than, than in America, seemingly at the moment. Anyway, do, do you feel like there's anything, any particular reason for that? Like, would you do anything differently in Hurrux or in America to help help it grow more? So I've talked to, I'm actually an ambassador for Hurrux. So I've talked to them before about. I would, I think it'd be a good direction to move towards like a half rocks, something shorter, something easier. Cause I don't think high rocks is actually accessible. Like they say it's for everybody, but I don't think it's accessible to everybody. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I hard, even if you run open that like a normal person who runs open, Who's fit? Like, you don't see any not fit people at High Rocks. You go to High Rocks, everybody's got like six packs. I'm like, I've got to keep my shirt on because everybody looks super ripped out there. (laughs) It's like a CrossFit competition. So I feel like they need like a lower level because even the open is still five miles of running, which is a big threshold. Like five miles is a lot of running for people who don't run. Mm -hmm. So I think if they had an event that was maybe like half of the running, half rocks, that it'd be more like alluring for people to try. Cause I think it's like very intimidating because I think if you were so a normal person that just works out, that's why DecaFit is really good. Cause so if you're a normal person who works out the DecaFit, even if you're really, really slow, it might take you an hour and a half. If you're really, really slow, that open race, I bet you could take you three hours, mm-hmm. two and a half so you're thinking about like you're I would compare that to somebody like doing a marathon. You can't do a marathon with no training. Like you can, but like 
it's going to take you a really long time. So I think having something more accessible to like lower levels would be good for the sport. Plus you don't even have to market it as like, like Deca mile isn't marketed as like, this is for your beginners. And this is like, it could just be a whole different event, like a speed event or, you know, a, I think it would also attract more CrossFit athletes who don't want to run five miles, two miles. They'd be like, Oh, okay. Maybe I could run two miles, but five miles for like somebody who doesn't run, like I said, that's a lot. So I think if you could get more like CrossFit athletes into the sport, that would be like a good, a good target market as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think the doubles, like they could at least have a doubles event where you split it half and half. Like, you, you yeah just do it you know four legs each and... a runner athlete oh so you have okay so you would alternate stations yeah i, th I think that would attract the cross the crossfit community quite well like they, they could get their head around 4k running four four stations yeah but then you have to have a friend some people don't have friends what if they just want to go and do it by themselves they need an option that doesn't involve so much running that's true that's, that's that, like they introduced the the relay so i like the style of the relay but then you have to have three friends have three friends so i think if they shortened the run that it would attract a lot more like strength style athletes that don't want to run as much or like a, a high rocks no running mm -hmm. so I don't know. I think you have to really cut the cardio out if you want to attract more like of that kind of, I mean, there's, I don't know how many CrossFits there are across the country, but there has to be like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people who do CrossFit in America. So, I mean, you're missing a big chunk, I think of a market that you could really capitalize on. Um, but they're doing good. They're going into like, you know, they have their affiliate program and, I think the PFT like is is really accessible to most people. It's still a high rep kind of thing, but at least if you're like not somebody who's a crazy athlete and maybe it takes you 45 to 50 minutes. So that's still kind of in an acceptable range in my mind. Like when people start doing events that take longer than an hour, it's hard for them to like kind of wrap their head around that. Cause you know, normally you work out for an hour. Mm -hmm. If you normally work out for an hour and now you're thinking about, oh shit, I got to do this workout or I got to do this event that's two and a half hours long. I think for a lot of people, it's very intimidating because it's it's something they've never done before. But if you can keep the work time to around an hour or less, like I think you'll be able to attract more people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, it is, it is hard and like, away from just like the, the running and attracting the non-runners, there's, there's elements like Flo and I from High Rocks Daily put up that post earlier about the, the sandbag lunges and should you be able to put that down? And, you know, some some people would just struggle to do that and keep the sandbag on their shoulders, you know, for, well, for 100 meters. On your, well, you posted it, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I posted it, collaborative post. Of, um, I, I posted it and then High Rocks Daily sort of got added into it, basically. Okay, because somebody was like, I I think that you should be able to drop the sandbag as long as like you're not throwing it or like getting in the way, like step to the side. You can put your sandbag down and then you can continue later. So the guy was like, well, it's an advantage. It's an advantage to set it down. I was like, 
how many people who are going to win are going to set their sandbag down? Nobody. Like, so if your goal is to win, don't set the sandbag down. And if your goal is to just finish and complete the event, set it down, take your time, like do whatever you need to get to the finish line. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of DQing somebody for sitting it down seems like I, I don't like that rule unless you're throwing it or like making forward progress while it's not on your shoulders. Um, but I think there was also a rule, like it says in the rules that you're not able, you're not supposed, you're supposed to have it over both shoulders. And I see people all the time on one shoulder. Mm -hmm. So they're not, they're not even enforcing like the rule the way it's supposed to be enforced. So like, why can't you set it down? Why yes. can't you hold front? Like, like, so I think that it, it's an unnecessary rule that is, is another barrier for people. Like I feel like you, maybe it was in your post or somebody said it when I was reading it, but like they were worried that they can't finish the lunges without setting it down and they don't want to get DQ'd. Plus you're like super far into the race at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think any kind of barriers that you can take down without like ruining the integrity of the race, then that's good. Like, so setting the sandbag down doesn't change the race at all. Like if anything, you have to pick it back up, you have to re-rack it and you wasted a bunch of time. But if it like creates like more accessibility to more athletes, I think it's a good rule change. Yeah, I agree. And this guy, this guy had pointed it out to me. He ended up taking, I think it was over 11 minutes on the lunges. Mm -hmm. and like 11 minutes with that weight on your back is a long time, isn't it? So it like just. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he would definitely be able to rest better um, mm. and have it on his shoulders. But again, if you're taking 11 minutes on the lunges, like you're not competing to win your age. Like you're not. Like, I don't know why people are so upset about it no, because no. they're not like, and even if, even if it does create an advantage, like, so say you think it's more ad advantageous for you to set it down and you do win your age group, like everybody has the same opportunity to set the bag down. So as long as you're still following within the rules, like, I don't see that that would change the race in a, in a way that creates unfairness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned you mentioned a minute ago about uh, you get to a high rocks and it looks like everyone's got a six pack and and so on. And I know you've spoken in the past about like body image and something that maybe you've struggled with when you were in running. Um, can you talk about that a little bit more and and how you feel about it now in 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 the hybrid space? Yeah. So I mean, obviously, I mean, kind of a joke, but kind of not a joke. People are really ripped there. Um, but. <laughs> hard to like envision like they talk a lot about it in like in regards to like race but sport too like you know it's hard to see like when you have especially in america like people of color or people or women in positions of power if there aren't positions people that look like you there so it's hard to, for women growing up like imagine being president because we've never had a female president so it's hard to like imagine what that would look like so when you're in sport and you have like this idea of like, oh, I don't look like any of these athletes. Like I could never be good at this sport because I don't look like any of them. So you have to look a certain way to be part or to be good or to be part of the sport. Because even I think it's hard for people, even if you're not trying to compete at the top level, like people have this idea in their mind, like, oh, I can't run 
because I'm not built like a runner or I don't have a runner's body or I can't dance because I don't have a dancer's body. So I think, again, we talk about these barriers, whether they're created by a wraith or created by yourself, that you don't let yourself experience things because you have this idea in your mind that you can't do it. So I think by having, you know, a sport that embraces, you know, all kinds of different body types, whether, you know, they're muscular or ripped or whatever. Um, and you have people who are thin and, you know, they're all like competing. They're all doing the sport. So, I mean, I can see my, I, I'm a personal trainer. So I could see taking one of my clients, actually my roommate went to um, uh, Madrid with me. So she's a marathon runner and, um, she does this stuff and she's like, I, she's like, I could never do this. This looks awful. But because, and she's like, I just can't do this kind of stuff. And I was like, well, you could, you just, you know, you do it slower. Um, so I think she sees all these people that are super fit and super ripped and whatever. And um, she's like, well, I can't be like them. So I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's, it's in your head, but at the same time, like your mind is very powerful. So like, Growing up as a runner, like all the people I saw that were top level athletes, because I wanted to compete, they didn't look like I looked. I was just always kind of like a bigger, bigger runner. I had coaches through college and high school that were like, oh, well, if you could just lose five pounds or if you could just lose 10 pounds. Like I was already, I look back at pictures, I was like, I was really fucking skinny. Like I was not overweight at all. But like this whole idea that being lighter is faster is so ingrained in the running community that like it's hard to like push that aside um so i think a lot of athletes i mean a lot of my friends that are in the running community more of them had have 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 had eating disorders than haven't because it's just so entwined in like the culture that you have to the skinnier you are the faster you run so I think that we can break down some of like these ideas with sports like high rocks, because you see all these different people on the starting line and none of them look the same. So I think it's easier, even if you don't see someone who looks exactly like you, it doesn't appear that there's like a certain type of person that can do these events. So I think it, maybe it makes it easier to conceptualize yourself doing, doing stuff like that. If, it doesn't appear that one type of person is the type of person that does them. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. 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 I'm, um, I do, I do nutrition calls with people like preparing for high rocks and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to a lot of people who are tired at the moment. Um, partly because like they're just training so much, but I think they're coming from that mindset of they, they need to be light. They they're under fueled, like they're not eating anywhere near enough carbs. I think they're getting a lot of nutrition advice from the bodybuilding community or the weight loss community, as opposed to like performing for high rocks community. Um, yeah. So I'm certainly sort of seeing that carry. I, I know you posted something similar um on your instagram i think the, the other week wasn't it about you know under fueling and, and, and under fueling at the right times and making sure you're fueled during the season and so on yeah i mean it's way more in my mind it's more detrimental to your performance to be under fueled than over fueled so mm -hmm. if you're a little over fueled um, i mean it's not you're probably going to burn it up anyways like through through exercise so 
being a little overfilled, I'd rather be that than under. But I think, um, you know, there are going to be situations where maybe losing weight would be beneficial to your performance. Like I have a client that runs marathons and he's probably like 40 pounds overweight. But, you know, for me, and it may be even be more comfortable, uncomfortable for me to breach that subject because of my like own experiences. Like I don't want to develop a disordered eating pattern, but like there are also detriments to being overweight as an athlete. Like, you know, you put extra strain on your joints, but, and you know, it's just harder on your body, but most athletes you probably work with aren't overweight. They're just, Mm -hmm. you know, they aren't eating enough to support like the amount of exercise that they're doing. So I think that people just need to, feel feel themselves like based on their performance not like because i i don't really do anything specific now i'll track every now and then just to make sure really that i'm eating enough um because like you said i you know don't really get enough carbs so i like sometimes i'll be like oh i need to track my calories make sure i'm eating enough and i'm almost always eating enough now it's just it's easier to get calories from fat so for the mm-hmm. amount of food that I need to eat, it's it's kind of hard to get that amount of volume if you eat a low-fat diet. or Not that I would eat a low-fat diet, but it's easier to get my calories in if a lot of them are coming from fat because then you need like less food volume. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's a huge problem in the athlete community with just underfueling, and then you're tired, and then you blame that fatigue on the training. But really, maybe your body could handle – the training if it was fueled properly yeah uh, so and then a lot of people it leads them to injury from chronic underfueling because when you don't eat enough then it's not just pulling from your fat it's pulling from your bones and you know your body's not able to appropriately recover the way it should people get stress fractures you know all kinds of different injuries from something that in my mind, doesn't even have to happen, you know, if you're kind of aware of what you're putting in and what you're expending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we've been talking for, for over an hour. I re- oh, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got, a, I've got a, a couple of more questions, if that's all right. Um, one is uh, you posted a, a few weeks ago on Instagram. You said, Find something in your life that makes you excited to wake up in the morning, set goals that scare you and believe in yourself. So what's the goal that you've got that scares you? I rock. I mean, it really scares me because I'm just like, I think it pushes me out of like, that is one thing I do like about it. Like it pushes me out of my comfort zone. I mean, I'm not, I, am realistic but i don't have it not in my mind to win manchester like it's a goal it's an a goal it's a big goal but um you know i don't train this hard to train for fourth so um i know that i need i need i need my magic race to happen but i think if it could i mean you know and some people don't have a magic race the stars align it could it could happen so um, that's all. I mean, that's my, my reach goal, my scary goal, my, you know, so I think verbalizing stuff like that is also helpful. Cause it's like, Oh, that's, that's a big goal. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, 
So, but I, I don't like we talked about the passion and the fire. I don't know that my fire is as lit like as it was before Deca, because I don't think I do a hundred percent believe mm. in the goal. Like I'm like it's a goal, but I'm I run the numbers. I do too much with the numbers, and I'm like ah, it's a goal. I need this. Like I need all of this to happen. So it seems like it, it's a really far reach. Whereas like when Deca, I was like, well, you know there's this, this, and this person, and, you know, we're all real close, and I need to just have a good day, and it could happen, but in my mind, in the scenario that I'm creating for world championships, I'm like, not only do I need to have a flawless day, I need other people to not have such a flawless day, which could happen. Um, I mean, it's a long event, like, it's still very strategic, like, I think, that strategy wise, like I, nobody's going to out strategize me. So I'll figure this out. I'll figure out my perfect strategy by then, but, um, we'll see. And you, you mentioned Chris earlier, if, if Chris has sat down and run the numbers before Vegas, would she have truly believed she could win it? No, probably not. Right. No. So Chris doesn't run the numbers <laughs> out there and she runs and she, you know, she has a lot of grit and fire and like she I think Chris, she has the mindset of like a champion. She doesn't ever count herself out, which is good, um, you know, and I think that's what makes people great. Um, I mean, you see that on the men's side. Everybody thinks that they're the winner over there. So you know, a lot of uh, I think the women's side is a lot more uh, humble. Like, so you don't see the people that are like, oh, I'm the best in the world or I'm the best. Like all the men are just like, huh, like chest bumping and stuff. And, but the women are like, they're like silent killers. So, yeah. but they don't, they don't have to tell everybody that they're the best because we know we see, well, we don't see because you're like a station in front of us while we're all still running. But, um, so I don't know. It's just interesting. Like the, the different dynamics between the men's and the women's field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um. Before we finish, anything you wish I'd asked? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I, you didn't ask questions, so I'm on the spot now. I don't. I don't think so. Right. <laughs> uh, where should people go to to follow you, find out more about you, find out about your coaching? Uh, Terra Nova Trainer on Instagram on the gram that's it yeah all right brilliant well thank you for joining us it's been a pleasure i really appreciate it good luck for the rest of the season good luck for miami manchester awesome thank you all right thank you take care talk to you soon everyone yeah see ya, see ya. thanks